it's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome, everyone, to the PFF Fantasy Podcast. I am one of your hosts, John Macri, fantasy analyst here at PFF. And as always, I am joined by PFF's lead fantasy analyst, the one and only Nathan Yonke. Nate, nice seeing you on a Monday. Did you uh, have a good weekend? Uh, yeah, my weekend was fine. I was grinding through fantasy articles left and right all weekend long, basically. But glad we have two episodes a week now rather than just the one. And um, I'll be on vacation for part of the week, so we'll have to substitute me out for a part of the two episodes this week. But we at least have me for this episode. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's nice to it's nice to know, like, you know, when we move to two episodes per week, that means we're just getting closer to the fantasy season, which is a good thing. This is what we're building up to all year, obviously. So pretty exciting stuff. And and as we get closer to the season, more news becomes uh, breaking and relevant. And and obviously we had some news over the weekend as well uh, with DeAndre Hopkins signing with the Tennessee Titans on a two-year $26 million deal, potentially worth up to $32 million in incentives as well. Um, Nate, what, what are your initial thoughts on on Hopkins finally signing with the Titans for, for fantasy purposes this season? And, and, and maybe the bigger question is, how does this affect some of our favorite Titans pass catchers like Chig and Burks? and and Kyle Phillips as well. Sure. So Hopkins, I think this will probably be his worst fantasy season in a little while. Um, a few just glaring things. His uh, PFF grade has been on the decline the last couple of seasons. His new quarterback, Brian Tannehill, also had his PFF grade decline these past few seasons. Both of them are well past the age where you expect the decline, so I wouldn't be surprised if that keeps happening for both players. And then we're also seeing him go from one of the top five passing offenses in the league in terms of how often they pass first run to one of the five most run-heavy offenses in the NFL. So all of that's kind of working against him. Like the one bright point that people are bringing up is his potential target share in the offense. Um, with Tennessee, basically their top three other receivers are going to be all people from the 2022 draft class, none of which had a ton of production last year. We've seen players do well in the limited samples they had, but no one really had a full season's worth of good play. And so he has he's in the past had 25% target share, at least the most recent season with Arizona. Uh, going back, we've seen uh, A.J. Brown at his peak in that offense. Um, it was 25% when Corey Davis was still on the team. Then w- once Corey Davis left, it did jump up to 29%. So we could see Hopkins get to that 29% range if uh, things are going well for him. But I'm also not entirely convinced he'll be the best wide receiver in the offense with the, the direction Traylon Burks is going compared to the 
direction DeAndre Hopkins is going. So I could see it being a little more mixed between targets between the two of them. So um, all in all, I still think he's probably a top 30 fantasy wide receiver since he's still talented. He's a future hall of famer, arguably the best fantasy receiver in the past decade, but I think it'll be a decline from what we've seen in the past. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's fair. And you mentioned, you know, a higher target rate. If he does lead the team in targets as well, um, that that'll be key to his success, obviously. And it, the, the only thing is that might be different is obviously the Titans. They've been a bottom five team in pass rate every year under Mike Vrabel as well. So that's since 2018. So not exactly the most ideal situation for fantasy purposes for a wide receiver, uh, especially coming over from like Arizona, who was fourth in pass rate last season as well. Right. So like you mentioned, could be his worst fantasy season in a while here. We did see AJ Brown have some success there in the kind of wide receiver two range. Um, but yeah, I don't think most people are really expecting like a wide receiver one season out of DeAndre Hopkins in Tennessee. Anyways, I think, you know, that top 30, top 24 range, like you mentioned, uh, is still very possible. Um, but yeah, uh, uh, maybe a bit more concerned about some of the other Titans pass catchers. Like we said, um, you know, we talked about Kyle Phillips a couple episodes ago and, um, uh, uh, Jake Okonkwo as well is, is another one that we, we both like, I think, you know, their, their chances are still decent to be fantasy relevant, but there's slightly less targets now, um, to potentially go their way with Deandre Hopkins in the mix, which, uh, obviously wasn't the case before. So, um, I, think just as far as maintaining like a consistent fantasy floor we might see those guys uh lose out a little bit but not impossible for them to to emerge still as as fantasy relevant options on a weekly basis but yeah i messed with my rankings this past week edited like 10 different articles yesterday to account for all this but the main thing for me was mostly moving Traylon burks down a little bit None of these guys that we care about for fantasy are really going to be losing much playing time to Hopkins. It's just losing targets. And Burks, we were drafting him because he's a high upside young player who was a first round pick. Uh, that's still the case. It just, he might not see as many targets or the potential to see a ton of targets isn't there as much as it was before. But you're not drafting him to be a fantasy starter to begin with. You're drafting him for his upside potential, and he still has that upside potential. So I didn't end up moving him down all that much because of the reasons that we're drafting him. And similarly, Kyle Phillips was already a deep sleeper. He plays in the slot. Hopkins plays out wide over 80% of the time. So um, no problem with having Hopkins out wide and Phillips in the slot still. And similarly, uh, Chigazim McConquo, I think he'll still do just fine and see plenty of targets. Um, his concerns more playing time more so than target share definitely love it all right so that is deandre hopkins with the tennessee titans um but for this episode we're talking draft strategy so what we're going to do is we're going to go round by round through a fantasy draft using the early one to three overall picks uh snake draft style so this will be for one qb uh, league starting two running backs, three wide receivers, a tight end and a flex. Um, basically we'll walk through some of our, our thought process and strategy uh, as to how we typically think through our picks and who our favorite targets are in each round, picking from either the 101, 102 or 103 holes. Um, hopefully we'll, we'll give some ideas on how to approach your drafts this year and dominate your fantasy league as well. Um, but before we do that, I do want to mention that this episode is brought 
brought to you by our presenting sponsor, Fabric by Gerber Life. As a parent, your top priority is always your children's well-being. You want to give them everything they need to grow and thrive, both now and in the future. With term life insurance from Fabric by Gerber Life, help protect your family so their future is secure no matter what happens. Fabric was designed by Parents for Parents to help you get a surprisingly affordable term life insurance policy quickly, often in less than 10 minutes. Life insurance can have a bad rap for being complicated, but Fabric makes it easy to apply with its seamless digital experience. It's all online and on your time. And if you need the extra support, you can access a team of licensed agents who answer questions along the way. Take steps to help protect your family today with Fabric by Gerber Life. Take the 60-second quiz to find out if term life insurance is right for you and apply today in just 10 minutes at the at meetfabric.com slash PFF. That's meetfabric.com slash PFF. M-E-E-T fabric.com slash PFF. Policies issued by Western Southern Life Assurance Company and distributed by Gerber Life Agency LLC using fabric technologies. Not available in certain states. Prices subject to underwriting and health questions. For more information, visit us at meetfabric.com slash PFF. Okay, let's get it going here. Again, assuming you have one of the first three picks in your draft, we'll highlight our top targets and pivot options as well. So let's jump into it here. Uh, Nate, what are you looking to do here starting off uh, your drafts? So round one, you have one of the first three picks, and I am leaning running back when you're in a 12-team league. A lot of this has to do with how your team will end up getting made up um, when you're starting when there's 24 starting running backs in your league at least and 36 wide receivers it's a lot easier to find that depth that wide receiver than it is at running back just with um how you look at the tiers at running back compared to the tiers at wide receiver and what makes the difference between those tiers um christian mccaffrey and austin eckler i think pretty well unanimously the top two running backs in most league formats uh, they've fairly consistently been among the top two, at least in fantasy points per game these recent seasons. It's because they have both the volume and the production in both the run game and the pass game. And it's really hard to find a running back who does all of those things well in an offense that lets them do all of those things well. You go even to running backs that'll get picked later in the first round, early in the second round, and they're typically either really good at rushing or really good at receiving or good at both of those things, but not great at them and getting a lot of volume. These are the two that have everything out of a running back and you're not going to be able to replace that production. I know a uh, wide receiver is the other position that you're considering here. I think it's slightly too early for Travis Kelsey, uh, definitely too early for a quarterback in a one quarterback league. So it's only really between running back and wide receiver. I know you can't replace the top end wide receiver production either, but you can definitely get a lot closer because these are players that basically all 36 of them are seeing significant amount of playing time, seeing a decent amount of targets. The only thing that's really separating them is the quality of the receiver and the quality of the offense and how often they're passing the ball. And you can find even with the top four wide receivers, there's at least some flaw in uh, what you're hoping for, for the ideal wide receiver. So um, I know injury is definitely a concern with running backs in general. That's leading teams to kind of stay a little more away from running backs. But if you have your first round pick injured anyway, you're probably not going to be in good shape. And I am trying to win my league, not just have a good team in my league. So I'm willing to take a little bit more risk of injury, knowing that if the running back doesn't get injured, then you're probably going to be at a decent advantage compared to the other teams in the league. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I think that's a good point. It, it, it's hard to argue, right? Going running back first. I, I wanted to kind of have like a different approach here as well. And and honestly, it's not so much about going against running back as much as it is going for this one specific player. And, and that that's kind of why I'm leaning Justin Jefferson um, with the first overall pick. And, and I should note, like for me, you know, I've always kind of, been more like relying on like my sticking with my rankings and, and filling out the roster positions as needed, obviously, you know, paying attention to bye weeks and stuff like that as well. But that, that's kind of where I found like the most successful rosters have come from for me is when I don't stray too far away from, you know, what, from those rankings and kind of what the board is giving me versus, you know, having like a, like a set strategy, like the, like a zero running back or a hero running back or all those other fun names um, that you heard out there, because you know, every draft is different. 90% of the time, things aren't going to go as planned anyways. Obviously, you know, with these early picks, we get to kind of steer the ship in the direction that we want. So I think it makes sense to go running back there. Um, but I, I do like Justin Jefferson a ton this year. I, I it was It's really close for me. I, I don't know that there's like a clear number one overall pick um, this season. And I think, you know, you can't really go wrong between Christian McCaffrey or Justin Jefferson, uh, whichever one you want to do. But, you know, for the most part in PPR leagues, I, I do tend to lean Jefferson, just such a high floor, high ceiling type player. I mean, nine top five finishes last season in PPR leagues, uh, the most at his position, which was including three weeks as the number one fantasy wide receiver overall average 21 and a half PPR points per game across 17 games played last season. Um, you know, he has the stability at quarterback. He's the clear number one target in the passing game every week, elite playmaking ability and, and heading into year four only, um, in his career, he's never posted fewer than 1400 receiving yards and, and, um, arguably could even have potential for more receiving touchdowns after landing just eight last year with only one multi-touchdown game. So that that's kind of what it came back to, to me. And, you know, something I was, I was kind of like thinking of just as far as like a tiebreaker uh, kind of thing, and maybe getting a little bit too galaxy brained here, but you know, one thing I did notice for the 49ers last season during that kind of crucial stretch of the season um, is when they were kind of blowing teams out. And, and, and this is including in the playoffs, CMC wasn't, as as involved in the passing game, you know, you look at weeks 14, 16, and 18, as well as the wild card round, they won all those games by at least 17 points. Um, and CMC averaged three or fewer targets per game in those games where he was averaging closer to five in every other game. So um, th the reason that I think about this is, you know, we ranked the 49ers as having the seventh easiest schedule this season, um, while also coming in as third in our power rankings. So we could maybe see some of those blowouts and negative game scripts uh for McCaffrey's usage as well so that just ended up being like a slight tiebreaker for me to lean Justin Jefferson here um but I mean at 101 102 103 any of these three guys really it's it, it's hard to argue and um I'd be happy with any of them really fair and I'll note um we're basing this up or at least I'm basing what I'm saying off of the article that I write I have a series where I do this for both a general strategy, regardless of your pick number, as well as breaking it down by pick. I recently started a 10 team as well, something that I didn't do last year, but I am doing this year. And once I broke it down for a 10 team league, it was making more sense to pick a wide receiver early on because there are fewer starting running backs in the fantasy league in general. So it's a lot easier to be able to get two running backs that you're happy with. So that pushed Jefferson over the edge a little bit for me there. So um, a lot of it just depends also on how many people are on your league, how many people you're starting in your league. 
Um, a lot of this is not just looking who's the best player right now, but looking, okay, who's going to be available with my next pick, who's going to be available the round after that and figuring out what combination is going to get you the best football team, which is why we're looking at this in terms of strategy rather than just here's, here's the rankings, pick the top guy on the list. Yep. That's fair for sure. Yeah. And and this is, you know, kind of looking at, at how my plan kind of worked out when I'm, when I'm approaching these drafts, this is where I already start to kind of sweat my, my picks a little bit going into the second round, right? Because I'm hoping to get, um, that RB one now. And, um, uh, yeah, I guess I'll, I'll lead, I'll lead into it here since I kind of started rambling about it already, but, um, yeah, I went, uh, I, I'm really hoping for Tony Pollard, uh, in this spot in, in round two at picks 22 to 24. Um, I also put Josh Jacobs there, um, and Jalen Hurts is, and Josh Allen as, as potential pivots in that area. But like I said, already kind of starting to sweat because it's right around his ADP. Um, I did write him up last week as a player to target at his current ADP of RB nine, because I, I have him as RB five. I do think think that he has that potential in him this season um, as the lead back in Dallas. We're all kind of aware of how good he's been playing um, behind Zeke for most of his career. But now with Zeke gone, obviously I think the sky's the limit. There are concerns about, you know, maybe his ability to withstand an RB one workload for an entire season. But uh, a lot of the data that I've pulled on that uh, ranging from historical running backs who saw a similar workload increase. And even for Pollard himself, when he's got more carry shows that it isn't much of a concern, really the main thing being that just the overall volume increase, um, even if he does have lower efficiency, uh, the larger that workload is, is all that really matters anyways. Um, so if he's getting, you know, 250 to 300 carries, 70 ish targets, um, plus, you know, the majority of Zeke's goal line carries, I, I really believe he has, you know, overall RB one potential in a very good offense behind a good offensive line. So if I can get Pollard as my RB one, then, then I'm, I'm happy with that. And it makes me feel a little bit better about passing on running back with my first overall pick. If not, you know, Josh Jacobs is also another potential pick here for me. Um, and if they're, they both happen to be gone, then that's my kind of reason to go top tier quarterback at this spot, whether it's, uh, Josh Allen or, or Jalen hurts, usually Patrick Mahomes is gone by this point. So I, I'm still a hurts guy, as we kind of talked about way back on our, our quarterbacks, uh, rankings episode, but I'm happy with either guy here. It's, it's hard to find, you know, bad options of the first two rounds. So, um, yeah. How about you? What, what, what are you looking at here in the second round? There. I'm leaning quarterback here at the end of the second round. Um, part of it is it's going to be harder to get a top tier quarterback this year compared to past years. Um, in recent seasons, it was pretty easy to list off 12 quarterbacks that you could be happy with on your fantasy team. And you could know that probably two of them would get injured. Um, there'd be two sleepers that end up there and that would just be the top 12 quarterbacks that year in some kind of order. So it was made more sense to wait at quarterback because you'd be able to get one of those players, but it's going to be a lot harder this year. Um, especially with, you've had Tom Brady retire. You've had a number of older quarterbacks who have taken a step back who were fantasy starters in recent seasons. Um, Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, Matthew Stafford, uh, Ryan Tannehill, all quarterbacks who um, in the past year or two were in that top 10, top 12 range, all have taken steps back recently and they're all um, in their mid thirties or older. So it's harder to think that they're going to step up. And yeah, we've definitely seen some quarterbacks improve in that time, but not enough to make up for it. So there's typically about eight quarterbacks that I'm really comfortable taking to be my fantasy starter this year. And if you don't take a quarterback, either this pick or the next pick, a lot of them will be gone by the time it's your pick again in the fourth round. So 
I want to secure a quarterback while I can. And I'd rather get one at the end of round two rather than the start of round three, because it's a lot easier for one of those players to get sniped and you're not able to get a comparable replacement compared to a wide receiver or tight end where there should be someone at a comparable value with the next pick. And uh, Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts, and like you mentioned, Mahomes is probably gone at this point, but he's definitely in that conversation if he's still available at this point. All three of them definitely stand out among the rest of the quarterbacks, Jalen Hurts for his rushing, Patrick Mahomes for his passing, Josh Allen having both of them not quite as good as the top quarterback, but has a better balance than either of the other quarterbacks. Um, All of them are scoring a couple more fantasy points per game compared to the rest of the quarterbacks over these past few seasons. And they're just compared to running back and mostly running back a little bit wide receiver as well. We see more consistency from one year to the next of here are the top guys. They're probably going to be the top guys next year as long as they stay healthy. So I can be pretty confident that Allen, Hurts, and Mahomes should be top five in fantasy points per game at least and fantasy points in general if they stay healthy. So I lean towards a quarterback with one of these picks because they give you that value, even though they weren't giving you quite that value in past years because you could find a replacement, but now it's harder to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess, I guess for me, since I'm like most likely missing out on, on one of these top three quarterbacks, just based on kind of how I started it, I, I, I'm a little bit more comfortable waiting a couple more rounds at the position. I, I have a little bit more faith in some of the guys that could potentially step up this year and, 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 you know, outperform their ADP. There'll be one specifically that I'll talk about um, in a little bit, but not to give it away. I'll, I, I end up waiting a little bit at quarterback here. So uh, we'll go on to round three here. So this will be, uh, Uh, picks 25 and 27. So pretty close from after we've taken our second pick. Um, Do you have a preferred target here in the third round? Uh, Yeah, I'm fine with either taking a tight end or wide receiver here. I found with writing these articles, a lot of the time I'm saying get a tight end or wide receiver in round three, whatever you don't do in round three, do it in round six. Because similar to quarterback at tight end, there's only about seven or so players that I'm confident in picking. Uh, Travis Kelsey, obviously tight end one, but um, the first three picks are a little too early for him, and then you're not going to get him in round two. So there's kind of one cluster of quarter uh, cluster of tight ends that you can get in round three, another cluster that you can get around round six. So I'm fine with aiming for either one of those. Um, I lean a little bit towards tight end just because sometimes even though we see ADP the way it is, you'll see a team take a tight end and then other teams will start to panic a little bit and then also pick their tight end. So you can see all of them go either higher or lower than ADP. So I lean to get the tight ends now because you're not going to be able to find a replacement where wide receiver, it's a little bit easier to find someone who's ranked a little bit lower and at a comparable value. So uh, Mark Andrews is the guy that I note the most here with Baltimore. Uh, Grade-wise, he's basically been close to as good as Travis Kelsey on per play basis and a number of metrics in recent seasons. It just the Kansas City Chiefs have been arguably the most pass-happy team in recent leagues, and Kelsey rarely leaves the field in those situations. So Kelsey just has the volume that dominates everyone else, where Andrews has the talent. He's just been in Baltimore's run-first offense, where the volume hasn't been nearly as high. Baltimore is expected to pass the ball a bit more this year. 
Um, that might hurt his target share a little bit because Baltimore has also invested a lot in wide receivers recently. But with Andrew's talent, I still expect him to be um, excellent this season. So he's been near the top every year of his career, basically. He should still be there this year. So definitely happy to get him and confident that he'll do well as long as he can stay healthy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And and I guess for me, so I end up going wide receiver here and, and I'm, I'm with you in that there's that cluster as uh, that's available. It's in round six as well for the tight end. So usually I end up kind of waiting on there and, and I'll talk about my guy when we get there as well. So what I like to do here, knowing that I'm probably going to tight, target tight end in that sixth ish round um, is, is I like to kind of start off my like run of the tier three wide receivers. So T Higgins uh, or Devonte Smith or Chris Olave, those are the three guys that I kind of like there. And, and, you know, Higgins and Smith being like the two top clear choices for me, because what I want to kind of do here in these earlier rounds is I want to target um, receivers in kind of high powered offenses um, that could score a lot of points a lot of points this season. That's kind of the main thing for me. I want to try to target good offenses to get the most bang for my buck. And um, yeah, Higgins being my favorite, Devontae Smith, the close second. Chris Olave is definitely one I'll have my eye on as well. So good with going wide receiver here. Um, and, and any of these guys, I would be thrilled. But uh, obviously hoping that I'll still be able to snag, you know, one of those tight ends that I have in that kind of second tier in a, in a few more rounds as opposed to starting it right here. But um yeah, that that that's kind of where I'm going. Fair enough. All right. So, so I guess that moves us on to round four. Yep. Yeah, we'll go on to round four. But uh, before we do that, actually, we do have another sponsor we'd like to shout out, uh, and that is DraftKings. So this season, DraftKings has launched the largest best ball tournament in DraftKings history. Right now, you can enter into DraftKings best ball tournament for a shot at over $10 million in guaranteed cash prizes. Make your entry into the draft today. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the NFL season without having to worry about managing your roster, waiver waiver wires and more to start playing best ball download the DraftKings app using code pff enter DraftKings best ball millionaire contest and snake draft your team for the season each week you'll automatically rack up points from all your top scorers no ads drops trades or i should have played him instead teams with the most points by the end of the season will have a shot to take home the one million dollar top prize So what are you waiting for? Head to the DraftKings app and sign up with the code PFF and start playing the best ball today. Join the DraftKings $10 million best ball tournament only on DraftKings with code PFF. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. One per customer. Opt-in required with $10 entry fee. Bonus it, bonus issued at 10 DraftKings dollars. Age and eligibility restrictions apply. Void where prohibited. See DraftKings.com slash promotions for details. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, let's go into round four here. Um, So what are we looking at here? Round four, so we're looking at picks 46 uh, to 48. Uh, Where are you going with, uh, with your pick in this range? I'm definitely going wide receiver here, especially after I went running back 
quarterback tight end, but also in the fourth round in general, um, just a lot of wide receivers have an ADP in this range for a good reason. It's a lot of guys who um, are either the number one wide receiver on their team or the number two wide receiver on a good team where they're all still proven and pretty close to the number one guy anyway. Uh, Terry McLaurin's my top target here, the top wide receiver in Washington, but also guys like Mike Williams, Chris Godwin, DJ Moore, all wide receivers that we expect to be productive since we're at a point in the draft where like the top quarterbacks are gone, the top tight ends are gone. There's a decent sized drop off. Even at running back, a lot of the good ones are gone at this point. There's a chance you'll be able to get someone who's may have fallen a little bit, but really you are moving from the running backs who are clear number one running backs on their team three down backs who will see plenty of volume and have at least some talent to a range where it's guys who are either talented, but in a committee or there should have a full-time role, but a bit less proven. So there's a chance or a higher chance, something could go wrong compared to the guys ahead of them. So wide receivers, these are players that, you know, are starters, you know, are going to see plenty of targets, know they'll see production. It just, they aren't quite as talented as some of the guys that are being drafted earlier. So Terry McLaurin, like I mentioned, he's just fairly consistent top 30 fantasy wide receiver each year of his career, a new offensive coordinator this year. So a chance that he might see even more production this year, especially if they start being a little bit more pass happy than they have in past seasons. Nice. Yeah. I like Terry McLaurin. Um, yeah, I actually, I, this was like a mixed round for me. This is basically kind of what, how things fall depending on, on where we're at in the draft. But one of the players that I've noticed that does come here, uh, is Aaron Jones. So I, I pair him up with, uh, Tony Pollard. So he'll be my RB too. Um, there's other players that I'm looking at, including Justin Fields, Christian Watson, uh, and any of those wide receivers, like you mentioned, but th- this is definitely where things get a little bit trickier as we get into those kind of, you know, third and fourth tier options, like you said, however, I, I do, I do like Aaron Jones in this range is kind of my ideal pick. Uh, he's been a really efficient, runner he's great upside as a receiver in an offense that i think should continue to lean on him um if i'm getting him as my rb2 in this spot i'm fairly happy uh even though aj Dillon, you know being there is a bit of an issue he should continue to kind of eat into touches a little bit but i still i still like jones a lot in the receiving game and in ppr in the fourth round especially with uh somebody like joe mixon no longer really going in this range thanks to him kind of taking a pay cut last week as well uh jones i think might be the best kind of ppr PR option kind of remaining uh, in this range uh, who could also lead his team and carries as well. So um, that, that was kind of my thought process on this one, but I, I'd also consider, like you said, any of the wide receivers, Christian Watson, um, if Jones is gone, potentially getting, you know, a team's wide receiver one as my wide receiver three in this case. And then um, my other main option, since I don't have a quarterback yet would be Justin Fields, who um, I could talk about uh, a, a little bit later as well. There. And mentioning Jones, um, I've had a series of articles where I do player profiles, go through the players that have been talked about a bit recently, and Jones was one of them. And the more I researched him, the more I started to get a little concerned just because there's so many things that could go wrong with him this year. Um, a lot of his production, especially as a receiver, has come in the form of touchdowns. And without Aaron Rodgers, I just don't expect them to be scoring as much this year. So I could see his touchdowns going down. And that's been a pretty consistent thing for him throughout his career. And then just simply he's getting up there in age. He's one of the running backs who's had the most touches over the course of his career. That's still a starter. And A.J. Dillon has graded very well over the course of his career. I know uh, he had a little bit of setbacks last season, but in general, you have 
have a younger running back who's nearing the peak of his career and an older running back who's nearing the end of it. I wouldn't be surprised if we see Dylan see a little bit more playing time than he has in the past and Jones a little bit less. So I could see a couple of things going wrong for Jones this year and not too much reason to suspect he could have a better season than what we've seen in recent years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's fair. I, I think it's a good, I think it's a good point to kind of bring up too. And, and it all depends on kind of how that offense looks right. And how Jordan love does as a starter and, you know, whether they, they rely more on, on Jones as a runner or, you know, love builds a connection with him and feels comfortable kind of going to Jones in the passing game. It, it's a big question mark, right? So um, I definitely understand the the hesitance there for, for, for Aaron Jones this season. Um all right, let's go into round five here. So these will be picks 49 to 51 range. Um, I, I mentioned them earlier. Th- this is kind of where I'd like to grab my, my QB one with Justin Fields. Uh, if he's still, if he's still around, obviously, you know, some of the best rushing upside at the quarterback position. And I think if he can develop as a passer, you know, getting some help from DJ Moore coming in, we, we could be looking at potentially an overall QB one season from him this year. Um, this is, you know, he's one of the main reasons I feel a little bit more comfortable waiting on quarterback or, or missing out on the Josh Allen or Jalen hurts type uh, in the earlier rounds, because I have a little bit of, of faith in Justin Fields kind of taking that next step this year. And, 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 you know, obviously, that'll lead to more fantasy success as well. He was significant, um, you know, as a fantasy producer and as a rusher last year, if he can, you know, at least come up with some of that as well as more of a passing, uh, being more of a passing threat, I think we could see him take that next step as well. Um, It definitely gets much riskier here to try to get, you know, maybe another two tier two quarterback beyond this point, I think, you know, 20 picks from now. So this is where I really want to attack that quarterback spot here. Um, Otherwise, yeah it's it's looking at other wide receiver um picks guys like again christian watson drake london any of the guys that you mentioned um but yeah how about you uh fair i'm fine with the fields idea here like his rushing at the end of the season was so insane of what he was able to do he has three of the best rushing games in terms of rushing yards by a quarterback of all time uh three of the top 13 I think it is and he did that in the last seven games he played in so um, just seeing like some of the best quarterbacks of all times in terms of rushing and they have like one game in that range and Fields did it multiple times over a short period of time so uh, amazing what he was able to do I hope that he's able to um, increase his accuracy a bit there are quarterbacks that tried to look recently since I had the DJ Moore article go up last week I have Cole Komet going up later this week so I've been doing a bit of Fields research because of that and there are quarterbacks who make a big jump in accuracy from one year to another when they're still younger so i think it's at least possible for fields to get there it's just a lot more of a gamble compared to the quarterbacks that you're picking a couple rounds earlier where fields maybe he doesn't have those insane rushing performances and doesn't get all that more accurate in which case um this is probably too big of a reach for him but fields like you said has that quarterback one overall upside because if he's rushing at a more insane rate than any other quarterback that's huge for his fantasy value mm-hmm. but um since i already picked a quarterback i am leaning for another wide receiver at this point um similarly since i waited at wide receiver picked more players at other positions earlier And with this being kind of the turn of the draft, a lot of the wide receivers that were available before, there's bound to be at least a couple that slip through the cracks at this point. So basically take whichever wide receiver is available that's at the top of the list, since there's definitely going to be some variation from ADP. Um, Mike Williams is the guy that I 
noted in my article, I'm excited for him, especially with Kellen Moore's offense and uh, the Cowboys attacking the downfield more often than uh, the Chargers were last season. The Chargers, one of the lowest average depths of target, and Mike Williams is a wide receiver on the team that's more of a big pick big play threat. So I could see Williams having a big year, even though the chargers have a ton of weapons in that offense. So this is the kind of range where you're getting wide receivers who you can definitely trust to just put in your starting lineup each week. Don't have to think about it too much in terms of matchups and just run with it. So happy to add another wide receiver at this point. Nice. Yeah. And I think Williams is a good one in that range too, because I think a lot of the times he'll, he'll kind of fall to that area. I think people are, are concerned about the injury risk and things like that. So he kind of has this negative connotation attached to him, but you're, you're right. I mean, in that offense this year, if he's healthy, um, he could be, he could be an absolute uh, value in that spot and, and be a huge part of uh, the offense and, and pay dividends there. So really like the, really like the Mike Williams pick in the fifth. Um, Let's go to the sixth round now. So uh, the pick 70 to 72. Did you have a specific uh, target within this range? Sure. I'm once again going wide receiver. Um, as I mentioned in round three, and I know you agree with as well, um, it's a good range to get a tight end or a wide receiver. Whatever you don't do in round three, you do in round six. So since I went with Mark Andrews in round three, going wide receiver yet again in round six, uh, Michael Pittman is a guy here that I like in the range just because he should be the top wide receiver in Indianapolis. I know it's a little bit of a gamble of what will happen in the offense with Anthony Richardson as the new quarterback new coach and everything there as well but he's just the best wide receiver option on the team best receiving option in general looking at the tight ends and running back as well so i think Pittman should see plenty of volume again this year um he took a little bit of a step back in terms of his pff grade last season uh hopefully that rebounds but even if that doesn't rebound he'll still have plenty of volume and later in the draft you're drafting a lot of wide receivers with high upside that you're kind of hoping can do better than what Pittman's doing but if they don't end up doing better then you at least have a player like Pittman in your lineup who you can start each week and maybe not see the greatest production but Pittman's still a relatively young wide receiver there's a chance this offense clicks a lot in year one in which case he could have a huge season as well so happy to get Pittman here but this is also the range where happy to get a tight end and definitely would be trying to get a tight end if I haven't picked one yet mm-hmm. yeah and that that's kind of where I go with it I, I go tight end here we mentioned kind of you know waiting on it a little bit to get that that next group of tight ends and I I have Dallas Goddard as as being a pretty close to to the previous guys that are going in some of the earlier rounds as well so he's been really my co- most commonly picked tight end. I found this, this off season for sure. I think by a long shot, I, I usually wait at tight end for the most part. I, you know, if I'm not getting Kelsey, I, I like Goddard quite a bit as kind of a value pick among the tight ends that again, I have all in that same kind of tier um, him going much later really helps me scoop him up quite a bit in drafts. I mean, he's just been, you know, a lead after the catch, great pass catcher, explosive playmaker had one of the better explosive play rates for the position last year at 40%. He's an elite separator as well gets open on 70 percent of his targets and was averaging about six targets per game in a great offense for potential scoring volume uh scoring and volume so you know if goddard is gone and there aren't any more of kind of my tier two tight end options available then i'm i might have to punt tight end to tier three so it does get riskier um which is in in a few rounds so i'm and then i'm either looking at wide receiver like you mentioned either a brandon Ayuk or potentially like a running back cam Akers, somebody like that but um yeah, I do. I do mention Cam Akers a little bit later on as we go into round seven here as well. So uh, <laughs> let's go into round seven. 
Sure. So round seven, that's uh, my time to get another running back. Uh, James Conner is the guy that I have targeted here. Um, just it's a fine time to get a running back that's relatively safe in that there are going to be an every down player. It's not the best offense in the world, but it's someone that you know that you can put in your starting lineup. Uh, he's been great in terms of scoring touchdowns in the past. He's been one of the best players at just scoring fantasy points in general. Uh, 16.4 fantasy points per game, ranked seventh most out of 94 backs in the last two seasons. So, um, and Arizona really didn't bring in any competition for him whatsoever. So we know Connor is going to see plenty of volume. He probably doesn't have the upside to be. Uh, top five running back unless Arizona's offense starts doing really well this year. But if that does happen, then Connor does have a shot at the top 10. It's just not something that a lot of us are expecting. But I think this is just the perfect round to get a safe running back because, you know, in the later rounds, you're going to be getting high upside guys that aren't likely to hit. But if they do hit, they'll hit big, where if you can mix that with a running back who's relatively safe that you know you can put in the starting lineup and wait to see which other running backs develop, it's important to have that kind of player. So that's the kind of guy that I'm trying to pick here. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I got James Conner as as a potential target for me as well. I put Cam Akers. I, I mean, you know, since I'm, I'm picking again here, like I mentioned in the last round, um, it, it's fairly close to where I was picking before, and 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 I was considering Akers there, but obviously took Goddard. I, I, I know people hate Cam Akers, so I'm I'm just not going to let him fall any further, and and I'll add him to the the running back stable here as kind of my RB three, and and he'll obviously he'll spend a lot of time in my weekly flex as long as he stays healthy. I'd imagine James Connor, another one again, just like solid weekly production that we should get out of these guys, consistent um, RB one usage on their own teams, and and that should deliver a nice fantasy floor with a potential. For for, for some high uh, big blow up games as well. Um, I also like Brandon Ayuk in this range. He's, he's one of my favorite targets um, here as well. If I don't go running back, I just think is worth mentioning because he, he's one of my favorite targets from the 49ers receiving core um, at cost. But I think, you know, the main thing for me through these first kind of seven rounds is, is attacking stability and, and hopefully limiting the question mark players. And that includes acres. I, I know, you know, he's, he's, he's got the injury concerns, but I do see him as a safe kind of steady starting running back option to, to kind of round out those first seven rounds for me. Um, and that allows me to potentially take some swings here uh, in the later rounds of the draft. I think that's fair. I think I have acres right above Connor in my rankings and just probably being slightly conservative. And when I write these articles, just because I want someone to be able to, if they don't know all that much about fantasy football, they can just have this open while they're drafting. And I don't want them to run into a case where all the players that I'm suggesting are taken and then they don't know what to do. So yeah. uh, I'm guessing anyone listening to this probably isn't going to have that problem and will know how to adjust in those situations, but trying to have this article open for anyone to be able to use. So I would definitely be happy to take acres at this point as well. Nice. I like it. All right. Let's, uh, before we started getting into those rounds where we can start taking some swings, let's do one more ad read for today. And this one is from our friends at Manscaped. Um, if you haven't heard already, it's smooth sack summer. When you're playing in the summer sun, make sure you're escaped from pubes to bum. That's right. This is the summer to keep your balls cool while still looking hot with Manscaped. The leaders in below the waist grooming are making sure we have a ball this summer by giving our pants partners everything they need to stay fresh. Dive head first into smooth sex summer by going to manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping with our code PFF. 
The Manscaped Performance Package 4.0 has everything you need to prepare that summer bod. They have built the ultimate grooming bundle for your summer grooming. Their Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin safe technology. The Lawnmower 4.0 has a 7,000 RPM motor, a new multifunction on off switch, can engage a travel lock, and gives you the ability to turn the 4000K LED spotlight on and off when needed for a more precise shave. Did I mention this trimmer is waterproof too? Beach, lake, or shower, this razor will devour even the strongest pubes. Manscaped even threw in two free gifts to the Performance Package 4.0, the Manscaped Boxers, and the Shed Travel Bag. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code PFF at manscaped.com. That's 20% off plus free shipping with the code PFF at manscaped.com. It's smooth sack summer boys get on board or get left behind does monday at the office feel like a storm not with microsoft copilot that feeling when copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly it's sunny again when copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act that sun's shining on a beach and when copilot uncovers hidden insights you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure that's microsoft copilot Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. All right. Round eight. So we're looking at picks 94 to 96, getting into the later rounds here. Where are you going in round eight, Nate? I'm going wide receiver again here. We're getting to the point where we're starting to get either the flex players or some of the top backups and something that... I especially like about getting the quarterback and tight end early is I probably don't need to worry too much about getting a backup. Um, whoever is available on the waiver wire probably isn't all that much different from the players that I'd be drafting at the end of the draft. So I can just kind of stockpile running backs and wide receivers. And we're at a point with running back where a lot of the players available are in committees and there's a lot of players like that. So if I wait a round or two for running back, there should be decently similar quality later where wide receivers were starting to get to the end of the players that we know will be starters and have high upside and start getting to players that might be a little bit more questionable in terms of their playing time or those kind of things. So I like to get a wide receiver here to have another safe option. Uh, Gabriel Davis is the one player that I have, especially now that I don't have to worry about any other wide receiver going to Buffalo. So I'm happy with Davis now being a starter that we can trust to remain in that starting lineup. But other guys that I have, uh, Juju Smith-Schuster, Jacoby Myers, uh, Quinton Johnston, Cortland Sutton, all guys who should see plenty of playing time, plenty of targets, and uh, might not have the upside as some other wide receivers, but definitely have an opportunity to do really well on Davis, especially someone who's a big gamble and that he's had huge games in his career and just hasn't been too consistent yet. So hopefully all he needs to do is add that consistency and then he'd be a fantasy starter. Definitely. Um, yeah, it's a good call. I think this is a good way to do it. That And, and, you know, I did do it a little bit different I, for me, typically what I end up doing here, because I played it a little bit safer in those earlier rounds, um, you know, with the, the Tony Pollard's and the Justin Jefferson's and T Higgins of the world. Um, this is where I really start to kind of take some swings. So I take my first like kind of big swing here, usually with somebody like a Kadarius Tony. So, you know, I, I'm looking at Tony, obviously we're aware of all the red flags, but you know, if he can stay healthy and, and avoid, I think any of the off field issues in that offense, um, he could be a big hit here, a uh, high end 
after the catch wide receiver, which was huge for Kansas City and Mahomes last season with no Tyreek Hill in the lineup. They really started to kind of rely on um, their yak production more than anything. So he, he could be a perfect weapon for Mahomes, but obviously comes with a lot of risk here. Um, some of the other guys that I, I like in this range too, someone with also a lot of risk is Michael Thomas, um, who was actually great last year when he was in the lineup, which was only three games. And, and you know, we know he's missed a lot of time in recent years. So again, big Big risk there, but he was averaging 17 PPR points per game last year. He earned a 21% target rate on routes run. So really like those kinds of guys in here. I think I could start to take um, some of those bigger swings and hope that they pay off and and uh, fill my flex with uh, some high-end uh, value picks here. Yeah, Tom is someone that I recently wrote a player profile with, and he's uh, possibly the one where after I wrote the player profile, I was more high on than I was before starting the article. I was concerned, like the injury concerns are definitely still there, but I think I was a little bit more concerned about him now having Derek Carr as his quarterback, where he was a lot more used to having Drew Brees at quarterback. But I think Derek Carr and Thomas is a good combination together. And you can check out in the article why I think those two can be a good combination this season. Nice. All right, let's go to uh, round nine now. So this is picks 97 to 99. Uh, Nate, what are you probably doing here in the the ninth round? That was when I start getting back to running back, and it'll be running back a bit. Some of these later picks as well. Um, now we're getting to some of the other um, running backs in committee. A number of them have been taken now, but there's still some of them definitely with high upside and a chance to be the number one guy, even if there's not an injury. Uh, Zach? Charbonnet, who is number one on my options, Jamal Williams, Rashad Penny, all guys who definitely have that high upside. Um, we've either seen it before or seen what they can do in college, and their teams have invested in them this offseason. They're in a new situation, so that adds to the um, uncertainty to what can happen this year. So um, compared to some other running backs like Antonio Gibson, someone that I also note later and Brian Robinson as other options, but those are guys where they have a new coach, but it's the same running backs that they're competing with. They might not see a huge role increase if there's an injury to their team, someone else in their team where uh, Jamal Williams, I could see him just simply leading the team and carries this season. Even if Alvin Kamara doesn't face that big of a suspension, I think he's a better runner than Kamara at this point in his career. So he could be the leader in carries. Uh, similarly with Penny, the big concern is injury. Uh, we've talked about him before. He could probably have a couple games where he's a top five, top 10 fantasy running back. Other games where he might be missing games with injury, but I'd rather have someone that I can put in my starting lineup for a number of weeks and then, uh, no, I don't have to worry about him the other weeks compared to someone who is a borderline fantasy starter the entire season. Nice. Yeah, I like it. Um so this it's kind of similar players a little bit that you know as what we talked about in the in the last round since it's close so close together with um for me i you know put gabe davis michael thomas in here i think a lot of the running backs that you mentioned as well makes sense um but the one name that that kind of pops out to me here somebody that i've seen even go around later than this um is javante williams so i, I think he's another one of those picks that that comes with some risk obviously but could potentially pay off in a big way um I, i'm into javante williams in this range and since I'm not picking again for like another 20-ish picks or so, um, I like to try to grab him here. Uh, you know, obviously coming off injury, 
no guarantee that he'll be healthy to start the season or, or potentially, you know, he might take some time to get back to his old self as well. But, you know, if we do get him back to start the year and, and as the optimism of, of Sean Payton and Williams himself would suggest, then, you know, he, he, he'd be a steal in this range, I think. And as one of the best and most elusive running backs in the league, helping him kind of create those, you know, bonus yardage um, per carry type stats, uh, I think, with Denver being a potentially better offense as well as well this season, a better offensive line, Sean Payton's tends, tendency to run the ball and kind of lean on one singular back for most of the carries. Um, I, I really like Javante Williams in this range as a potential, um, you know, high upside uh, running back that you, you're probably not going to get in, in rounds later than this. So obviously comes with the risk of, you know, not getting back to his old self uh, one year removed from a major injury or getting back on the field at all in time for the start of the year, which is why he's going this late. But I, I do think by playing it a little safer on, on some of the earlier picks and taking some swings here in the later rounds, I could hope that one or two of them pay off. Yeah, I'd also be happy with them there. I could very well see his ADP rising as we get closer and closer to the start of the season, unless we hear something about a setback. But everything yeah. so far seemed to be decently positive on him. Nice. All right, let's go with uh, round 10 here. So now we're picking uh, in the 118 to 120 range. So we're in the triple digit areas of the draft. Um I'll start off. So Nate, uh, for me, you know, I mentioned taking Justin Fields in, in the sixth round. This is kind of where I'd like to try to target maybe a tight end too. I don't have it as safe, uh, you know, with a, with a Josh Allen or, or Jalen Hurts as my QB one. So maybe I want to take um, some insurance at this point. And um, I'll, I'll go into this in a future article, but I believe Anthony Richardson is kind of like the late round quarterback to target this year, just as he, as we fall into these um, double digit rounds, just as a super athletic mobile quarterback playing under Shane Steichen. He, you know, he has a lot of question marks as a passer, obviously, which hopefully, you know, doesn't keep him from playing this year, but the team, does sound like they'll get him out there uh, to start the year, which is obviously best case scenario to start. Um, if Steichen leans into Richardson's strengths as a mobile threat and, and high percentage throws, that could be enough to get him to kind of deliver those high-end fantasy performances. Similar to Justin Fields last season, I think he's far and away my, my top target to pair with Fields for if anything happens to Justin Fields. I'd hopefully still be getting that high-end fantasy production from the position at a discounted price, but also keeping anyone else from getting him and, and being able to utilize them on a weekly basis as well, I think is important. So um, Anthony Richardson here, absolutely one of my favorite picks um, in, in round 10 ish. Uh, the other options, you know, I, I like that could be close to as effective here are, are the guys like Daniel Jones and, and Geno Smith. I believe, you know, they also have that rushing upside with obviously some risk as passers on whether they can maintain the momentum from last season or, uh, and, and, you know, not so ideally um, would be my QB two in, in most cases. That's fair. Um, like we're talking about picks one through three today, but in other articles, I go through other pick numbers where I'm not picking a quarterback in round two. And this is the kind of range where I'm looking for a backup quarterback. Since, as I mentioned, there are like eight quarterbacks that I'm comfortable with and happy with to be my fantasy starter. Then there's another seven or eight quarterbacks who um, you can make an argument will be a top 12 quarterback this year. I think all three of them that you mentioned fit that scenario where you could argue that they should be in the top 12 of your rankings. So if I don't have a top quarterback that I'm happy with, I'm trying to get two of those quarterbacks. And this is the range to get the second one for sure. 
But um, since I picked a top three quarterback, I don't feel the need to pick a backup quarterback at this point. I'll find going back and forth with more running backs and wide receivers. A perfect time to pick uh, one of the wide receivers that I mentioned in my sleeper article. But uh, for this, I will go with Rondale Moore with Arizona. With DeAndre Hopkins leaving, they also lost A.J. Green, uh, Robbie Chosen. So they definitely uh, don't have the wide receiver depth that they once had. Uh, Moore has been fairly good when he's been healthy. I think the big problem last year is he just wasn't able to stay healthy. So um, one of definitely the best wide receivers after the catch, uh, making guys miss after the tackle um, should be the primary slot receiver. Uh, we have a new coaching staff. So how they view the wide receivers could definitely be different than what we've seen in, before. But I think there's definitely a chance for more to be um, the second leader in targets for Arizona on a team that will need to be passing the ball a lot. And with his low average depth of target, a lot easier for a quarterback, regardless of who the quarterback is, to get him the ball compared to um, when you're looking at downfield throws where um, the quality of quarterback matters a lot more. So I think more can survive the fact that they might not have Kyler Murray for a while and Colt McCoy also had been dealing with an injury. So I'm happy to get more and think he'll have plenty of volume this season. Clayton Toon's season is heating up, and I think yeah, he would like uh, Rondell Moore uh, as his wide receiver too in that in that offense. Yeah, definitely a good pick there. And yeah, you got some other good options in that in that range as well. Rashad Bateman, Zay Jones, Tyler Boyd, Darnell Mooney, DJ Chark, all really really solid options uh, at wide receiver still on the board there. So um, as we get into round eleven, we both have a similar uh, top target here uh, in the in the draft. This is picks one twenty one to one twenty three. I'm curious if it changes at all for you um, after the DeAndre Hopkins signing. But who would you? Who was your? Who was your top target um, in uh, in round eleven? Oh, yeah, I have Chigazim McConquo here. I did go through all of my articles that have already been out to account for all of the Tennessee changes, and McConquo did not move here. There were a bunch where I had Traylon Burks as one of the top options or one of the top options, and those typically ended up moving, and uh, DeAndre Hopkins ended up being a top option in a number of places, but I assume his ADP is going to rise significantly after this move, so didn't want to put him there knowing that his ADP is just going to end up changing, but Okonkwo, definitely happy with him in round 11. Probably don't need a backup tight end after getting Mark Andrews, but despite that, um, when you have an opportunity to get a guy who should be a top 12 fantasy tight end, uh, prevent someone else from getting a top 12 guy and just someone that um, in these articles, I have plenty of graphics and any graphic I try to make for tight end, it's either ruined by Travis Kelsey or the sample size is lower and it's ruined by Chigazima Kunkwo, but uh, he definitely stands out from all tight ends in terms of every rate stat that we've seen uh definitely some reason to be concerned looking at past tennessee tight ends but i also think he's more talented than any tight end tennessee's had in these past couple seasons so a chance he's going to be able to do that on a larger sample size in which case he has that top five possibility where there's a ton of tight ends that are considered sleepers that i don't really see a strong path to them potentially being in the top five but he's one of the few that even above some of the tight ends we rank in the top 10 i don't see some of them getting to the top five range where i think a is one of the few that has the talent to get there mm-hmm 
Yeah, and that's the thing, right? When you you dive into his numbers and everything in his production, and you watch him, you know, a lot of his his plays last year, you start to fall in love with him pretty easily. So you don't want anybody else to take him. Um, and I have the same guy as my top target here in round eleven. Um, I still like Okonkwo quite a bit, um, and I'm happy with him as my tight end too, and even happier that nobody else would have him. Um, if by chance you know he is gone, you know, a Greg Dulcich or somebody like that is someone I also like as a potential uh, tight end too in this range. But yeah, this this is my one of my favorite bets here for uh to for him to get into the top 12 this season um so we don't have that many rounds left here we could probably go through them a, a little quicker here but round 12 um as we kind of round out the rosters what are you looking at uh in round 12 sure i'll just combine round 12 and 13 for me i'm going back to back running backs here um just i found value at wide receiver early and i think there's value at running back this late still um, Devin Singletary and Jalen Warren are the top two targets that I have here. Uh, Singletary going to Houston, where I think that offense can do uh, better than they have in the past, excited with what the changes that they've made. And Singletary is probably the best receiving option they have on running back on the team and could cut into that early down work. He has experience at, as an every down runner. And with the new coaching staff, they just might like what they see out of Singletary more. So I'm willing to take a chance on them figuring out what they're doing at the running back position. And then Jalen Warren, uh, someone I'm excited by great at avoiding tackles. One of my favorite sleeper running backs. We've talked about him before, uh, has a chance to earn more carries on early down. So if I can get those kind of guys this late in the draft, where I think they have a chance to be a starter, um, just simply by outplaying the other running back on the team, definitely those are the kind of guys that I'm happy to get the slate in the draft. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I think this is a perfect kind of that that range for those sleeper guys that we've talked about in, in recent episodes. And I, for me, it's you know wide receiver, or running back, either one and one or two and two here. Uh, but usually a running back, almost always for me in this range. And you know for wide receiver, if I'm looking at it, Nico Collins or, or Romeo Dobbs, uh, guys that we've we've already talked about as sleepers in other episodes. Um, preferred choices is Nico Collins here in the in the twelfth round. I, I think there will be some of the running back options that I also like available for me at my next pick to choose from. And that's where I usually would go. Like, uh, like you said, Jalen Warren, I, I also like tank Bigsby quite a lot. Um, Devin, a chain, Kendra Miller, these kind of guys, I think, you know, for, that I think could get touches this season, a chain and Bigsby kind of stand out to me as the, the kind of priorities in this range as the ones who could be more involved in their offs offenses, uh, assuming, assuming their competition for touches is also healthy, but I think they'd have a bigger role. Um, even with, even with the, the starters, uh, still in the offense there. So, um, those are the guys that I kind of like in this reign are, are the Devin, a chain tank Bigsby, even Jalen Warren and Kendra Miller, like you said as well. So, um, and then, yeah, the, the last four, ra- four or five rounds or so round 14 to 18, um, you talked about it in the article as well. It's filling depth, right? Are there any specific players that you like to grab here at the end of drafts guys that usually go undrafted or anything in, in most drafts that you just like to have. So that way you don't have to worry about putting in a waiver claim for them once the season gets going. Um, Kyle Phillips has been my classic, right? Yeah. Last round pick that. I know they have DeAndre Hopkins now, but Phillips still 
he's just a sleeper that I think we'll see plenty of targets out of the slot. They really liked him last year, and I think he'll still fill that role well. Um, I also mentioned in the article with defense and kickers, some teams or some leagues force you to pick those players at those positions after you starting them at all in your league. But there are some leagues where you don't have to draft them, even though you have to start them week one. And in a lot of cases, I would much rather take another running back, see how they do in the preseason or another rookie at a different position just to see how they end up doing in the preseason. Because if they end up hitting well, then you want them on your roster. You'll end up cutting someone else for the kicker defense versus just having a kicker that you're putting in your lineup anyway that'll still be available for you anyway. So um, definitely rather take a chance on a skill player position than have a kicker defense, assuming you're planning on streaming defenses each week rather than just having a single defense or two single defenses. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's important, you know, just in these last rounds that don't don't really take a kicker until those last two rounds, if at all. Like you said, I know, you know, defense special teams especially can be tempting sometimes when you're looking at last year's results and things like that. But defense is just so unstable year over year. It's it's often not worth reaching for that position with so many options with with similar potential kind of still being on the board or like you said if you're going to plan on streaming them week to week as well so um yeah typically don't like to grab uh defense or special teams uh before the last two rounds um all right that that's it i'll, I'll kind of run through our ideal rosters here just to kind of get you know a recap of kind of what they look like here if that makes sense um so you know we, we talked about a lot of names so it's just to kind of easier to kind of recap here by by looking at what the rosters actually look like so um nate with you you went uh, at quarterback you got josh allen in the second round your rb1 is christian mccaffrey who you took with the in the first round you have james connor as your rb2 from the seventh round then at wide receiver in rounds four, five, and six, you filled out that group with Terry McLaurin, Mike Williams, and Michael Pittman. You also had Mark Andrews as your tight end one who you got in the third round. Your flex spot is occupied by Gabe Davis for now. Um, you, uh, you got other good options in there as well. Zach Charbonnet, Rondell Moore, Chico Conquo, and Devin Singletary. Um, and then as for me, my QB one is Justin Fields, uh, who I got in round five. And then my RB one is Tony Pollard, who I got in round two, uh, with Aaron Jones as my round, my RB two, who I got in round four, uh, Justin Jefferson's my wide receiver one. That was my first round pick. T Higgins is my wide receiver two from the third round. And then Kadarius Tony is my wide receiver three, who I got in the eighth round, followed by Dallas Goddard, uh, who is my tight end one. And then in my flex is Cam Aker. Uh, with Javante Williams, Anthony Richardson, Chico Conquo, and Nico Collins all filling out the the bench spots there. So um, how do you feel about that team? You feel pretty good? Oh, yeah, feeling good about it. I think that's... I put it together as what I think ideally you can do. Um, Obviously, like, one thing that's important is looking at ADP on wherever you're drafting because ADP will change wherever you're drafting. That'll change who's available at each pick, so... Like if you're trying to do your draft based off this, as well as my rankings, definitely if someone has a higher ranking than a guy I'm suggesting at a pick, definitely get the guy with the higher ranking. I'm just trying to hedge as well as I can, who's available at each pick. So obviously the perfect draft is if people are making bad decisions all around the draft so that people just follow you. But perfect draft when people are picking typically where players are going, I'm happy with how this ends up. 
Yeah. Yeah, for sure. This is like our ideal way of it's how it's going to go, right? It's probably not going to be like that exactly, but it's still, I think, helpful to kind of have that thought process in place and, and you know, have some targets in mind. But yeah, we use the consensus ADP as well um, to try to combine some of the ADPs to make it uh, most realistic anyways. But um, yeah, that'll, that'll do it for this one. Hopefully everyone found that helpful. And if you like the walkthrough for picks one to three, we could definitely do another one using the other pick ranges as well, if there's interest. But I know for me, it, it always helps to talk out my draft strategy a bit and, and get my thought process out there. I just, um, you know, to make me think about it a bit more and see if the rationale makes sense. So I feel, uh, ready for, to go for my drafts. Um, even though, like we said, every draft is different and, and strategies often have to change on the fly, never hurts to be prepared and lay out how you would ideally like things to go so again hopefully that was helpful for you guys to go through that exercise with us and of course if you want to have a written up version of this that you can read and with all the different picks nate wrote them all up on pff.com so you can utilize those right now for your drafts as well all right it is time for another five round head-to-head draft between nathan and i nate my condolences on another loss. Um, somehow I won the board game draft, though it was much closer this time around. Um, I moved to four and one. Um, I don't know how I did it, but the good news is it's a quick turnaround this week. You don't have to dwell on the loss too long. You could focus on getting back on the board this week. Um, and you came up with a pretty interesting draft this week. Um, do, do you want to give the breakdown of what we're doing this time around? Because sure. it's a fun idea. I, I sure. will mention the poll on the last one is still going. So I guess still there's a, still a chance that I could catch up, but... Uh, this draft, what we're going to do is we're going to draft NFL players like we're starting a new team. Um, a lot of the time when you see people do these drafts, it's um, like based on the players' ages now when you're starting a brand new team. We're going to do it slightly differently in that you're drafting a team that doesn't get to play for another seven years. So you're thinking of how good they're going to be in a couple years from now. So while you might be drafting Aaron Donald decently early on when you're doing this kind of draft, even though you know you might only be getting him for a year or two, um, if you get him for this draft, you're getting a 39-year-old version of him. I don't know exactly how old he is right now, but guessing around that age. So Aaron Donald, probably not the best choice for this kind of draft. So mm-hmm. mostly focusing on the younger players that you would be starting a team around. And we'll keep with our tradition of only drafting five players. So we're just going to assume the other 17 players you have in your starting lineup will be around league average. So these star players aren't going to be playing with just replacements. I'll at least have decent players. So you don't have to have that kind of game theory of like, well, I'd need some bunch of offensive linemen in order to have any kind of offense. You'll at least have a bunch of average guys. If you don't draft five offensive linemen. Yeah. For sure. So, and also we're sticking with people who are currently in the NFL just because John and I spend way too much of our time focusing on the NFL. So we do not spend enough time focusing on college football. So we want to talk about players that we at least are knowledgeable about so we can draft them well. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. Um, all right. Well, I, you got the first overall pick unless the, the, that, that poll drastically shifts in the next day or two. Um, who are you going with uh, to start your roster here? Um, I will go with someone that I am pretty sure that you want based on our fantasy drafting. I will go with Justin Jefferson. Number one. Um, with the 92.5 career grade, it's the second highest grade for any player that's 24 or younger right now. Uh, Creed Humphrey, the only player higher, and not going to pick a center with my first pick. I think wide receiver, probably the second most important on the field. So definitely happy to get Jefferson as someone that I think he's has arguably the best start to a career by a wide receiver ever. So ideally, he just continues on that path 
and is still great once he's seven years older from now. Yeah, yeah, that would have been, yep, that would have been my first pick as well. Um, yeah, I mean, he'll be 31. There's really not many people that aren't going to be in their 30s, it, it, whoever we're drafting here. So it makes sense um, that you'd go Justin Jefferson. So that does change things for me. Uh, I'm going to go with Micah Parsons, uh, and I'm going to set him on my edge. He'll be 30 years old um, by the time this game is played. So not the worst age for an edge defender, especially one as good as Micah Parsons. I think he'd still be uh, super effective, and and hopefully whoever you pick at quarterback um, is going to is gonna have fits with Parsons chasing after them. Fair enough. He was number two on my list, highest graded defender under the at 24 or under right now. So I'm just going to go with the second highest graded defender that's 24 or under right now. And that's Sauce Gardner. Um, I know cornerbacks right around that age is when they start to decline a little bit, but um, there's not a ton of options for early cornerbacks that are that young. And just he's played so well this early in his career. I hope he's off to a great start to his career. Um, cornerbacks, greatly important position as well. So having someone that can shut down whoever you get at receiver is someone that I'm happy to have here. Yep. Yep. That's a, that's a good one. Um, uh, I'm trying to think if I should go wide receiver here. Uh, I, okay. All right. I am going to go with my second pick being I'm stalling. Uh, <laughs> I'm going Kyle Hamilton. Since you took DB, I'm going to also go DB. I'm going to take Kyle Hamilton. He was our highest graded safety last year as a rookie. Um, he's only going to be 29, so he'll actually be under 30 um, by the time this game is this game is played. But a versatile defender who I can line up all over the field and in the defense, and I think he would be um, just as effective there, hopefully, or more effective than than a 30 year old Sauce Gardner. That's the hope, anyways. <laughs> That's fair enough, but I am glad that you did not go wide receiver here because the fourth player on my list was a wide receiver, Jamar Chase, 87.3 career grade at this point, uh, second highest offensive grade for anyone 23 or under at this point. I get to pair him back with Justin Jefferson, so having both of those as my top two wide receivers I think will be a great benefit to my offense. Yeah, that's brutal. That's brutal for me. Um, All right, well... I mean, I guess I have to go wide receiver at this point. I can't let you uh, add another one if that was your plan. So I'll go uh, Garrett Wilson. Um, Garrett Wilson will be 30 years old. So I I really like Garrett Wilson's uh, potential in the NFL to potentially come in in and and make his way into the mix as as a top five wide receiver, especially with um, getting some more so better looks this year with Aaron Rodgers. Not that that'll matter in seven years, but uh, it, he's at least going to be uh, my wide receiver one for this. Fair enough. So as you've noticed, we have both avoided picking quarterbacks yeah. to this point. <laughs> I think because we both know that there are multiple options of what we could go with that quarterback. And it's interesting in that how we're doing things with age. Some of the best quarterbacks will be a little bit older. There are also some intriguing options that are a little bit younger but I'm going to hope with how long Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers were able to play at an elite MVP level that I'm going to give Patrick Mahomes with my next pick and hope that he is continuing to win Super Bowls and MVPs at this point. Um, yeah, he's not going to have Travis Kelsey on this offense because Kelsey would be in his 40s, but he will at least have Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase to throw to. So I hope that will make up for not having Kelsey anymore. 
Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. Um, yeah, I know. I thought about Mahomes too. I, I guess I worry about like the mobility maybe being an issue as he gets, he gets older too. He's got that, that high ankle sprain and ankle issues and, and things like that, that if anybody watched the Netflix quarterback series, um, <laughs> when it came out, there was, it was a big focus. So, um, I, I now have to hope that that, uh, that, that plays a part in our, our old age game here, but, uh, yeah, Mahomes is a good pick. I am going to add another, wide receiver to round out my list here. And I'm going to go with, uh, Amon Ross St. Brown. Um, so Amon Ross St. Brown's going to be my wide, wide receiver too. Again, a guy, you know, he's not going to be too old. He'll be 30. Um, by the time this game was played, I really kind of focused on, on, on youth. I want guys as close to their prime as possible. So him and Garrett Wilson, hopefully won't be too old. Um, and hopefully can still, uh, be as effective as, as a slightly older Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase, but we'll see. Fair enough. So this leaves me with one more player. I'm going to, probably try to do what I think Twitter will want me to do a little bit more than what I might end up doing. So I'm going to go with Kyle Pitts. Um, Fifth highest receiving grade over the first two seasons compared to any other tight end in the PFF era. The only ones higher, Rob Gronkowski, Jimmy Graham, Mark Andrews, and George Kittle. The only difference being Pitts is significantly younger than uh, Graham and Andrews and Kittle were when they started their career. So Pitts is at a point where he's already accomplished more than most any other tight end at a point where other tight ends are just starting their career or might be a year away from starting their career. So I am very much still a believer that Pitts can do excellent things in this league with his age. I know he had injuries this past season, but I think he should be the best fantasy tight end over the past 10 years, the best tight end in real life for the next 10 years. And I think having a lot of great players on my offense will make up for only drafting one player on defense and mostly having an average defense. Yeah. Yeah. There's no pass rush on, on your team right now. So that's hopefully going to help uh, my guy who's not going to be as mobile. He's not really that mobile. Uh, anyways, he's still got, he's still got wheels, but um, my quarterback is going to be Joe Burrow. Um, I have to add at least a quarterback in here. And I think Joe Burrow will be, uh, what'll be, what'll he be 33. So again, like you said, you know, these guys, they, they, these quarterbacks can play into their thirties easily. Like Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers have shown Joe Burrow doesn't really need the mobility. He's a really good pocket passer as well. Um, and yeah, I'm just going to hope that that 75% success rate against Patrick Mahomes continues into this point, uh, of his career. Fair enough. All right. So Nate is the other guy that I had in case you took Mahomes from me at least. <laughs> nice. Nice. All right. So you got uh, Patrick Mahomes at quarterback. You got Jamar Chase and Kyle, uh, Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson at wide receiver, Kyle Pitts at tight end and sauce Gardner as a corner. And for me, it is Joe Burrow at quarterback. Uh, Garrett Wilson and Amon Ross St. Brown at wide receiver, Micah Parsons off the edge and Kyle Hamilton at safety or defensive back. We're going to, he's going to be very versatile in this, uh, for this team for me. That's <laughs> okay. Gardner's playing the entire defense for me. Yeah. So. yeah. <laughs> All right. So that'll be a good one. I, I I'm pretty sure yeah, you got this one. Um, I screwed it up, but that's okay. Um, that'll do it for this one. Thank you again to everyone for listening. Uh, thanks to Nate as always for doing this with me. Um, 
we're in it now. We're where it's full on fantasy season. So be sure to stay locked in to this podcast throughout fantasy draft season and checking pff.com on the daily as we drop all sorts of fantasy related content and goodness for your reading and listening pleasure. Uh, speaking of which, Nate, what do you have up on pff.com this week? Uh, this week I have uh, standard rankings that went up today. Um, perfect draft strategy for um, anyone picking in a 10-team league. Also going back to the 12-team league by picks, uh, picks 7 through 9, 10 through 12 will be going out this week. Uh, sleeper quarterbacks, uh, uh, wide receiver rankings will also be this week. Uh, five more player profiles, which started with uh, DeAndre Hopkins today, and I'll be mostly focusing on tight ends this past week, as well as everything that I've written so far in the past couple weeks have been updated uh, yesterday to account for the DeAndre Hopkins news. And I will also note that um, I will be out for the podcast on Thursday. You will be out next week. Uh, ben Brown, who is one of our analysts, more on the gambling side, but he will be over on this side talking fantasy. He's written a number of fantasy articles over his career at PFF as well. So happy to have him so we can go on one last vacation each before we really start to get into training camp and preseason and 20 plus weeks of football over the course of the regular season and preseason and playoffs. Nice. Yeah. Looking forward to it. Yeah. Um, like Nate said, he'll be on a beach somewhere, maybe sipping strawberry daiquiris. I think, I don't know. I'm not sure exactly what the plan is, but no. Um, yeah. Nate will be off excited to get Ben Brown in here. Um, next week we'll talk uh, breakout wide receivers. So that'll be fun. And then I'll be off. Um, yeah. Like Nate said the week after uh, for one episode, most definitely not on a beach somewhere, sadly, but uh, um, yeah. It's so looking forward to those episodes. And if you haven't done so already, we'd love if you good folks could support the show and subscribe to the pff fantasy youtube channel it would mean a lot to us to help us get that new channel growing and of course the pff fantasy discord is open to anyone and everyone who wants to talk all kinds of fantasy related topics i know that one is really going to start ramping up as we get closer to the season and, and throughout the season is a good way to kind of get your fantasy questions answered as well so be sure to jump in there as well um next episode like i said we'll be talking breakout wide receivers with ben brown one of our brilliant di data scientists here at pff uh, so I'm sure he'll be bringing in some strong data and information to the table as well, making for a great episode. So hopefully you'll all continue to tune in for that one. And until next time, peace out.